This podcast is sponsored by Skein Queen. After 10 years of dyeing unique one-off colourways, Skein Queen has added a new range of standard colourways inspired by Berkshire and the surrounds, where her dye works is located. Dyed by hand on the sumptuous Selkino, Merino and Silk Singles base, the Berkshire collection comes in a range of 20 semi-solid colourways. In addition, Skein Queen also offers a good old sock yarn collection in an array of semi-solid, variegated and speckled dyed yarns to satisfy all your sock knitting needs. Both ranges will be available online at your local yarn store. Find out more at skeinqueenyarns.co.uk. Hello! And welcome to Pomcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. Uh, we're here again. Woo-hoo! It's another, another month, another podcast. How are you doing, Sophie Scott? I'm all right. Just thinking about this time next month, Pomfest would have been and gone. <gasps> Sad. Is there life? But happy. Is there life after Pomfest? <laughs> That's what we're asking. Believe in life after Pomfest. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so coming up in this uh, podcast, we've got the usual kind of things: uh, tell and tell, news and reviews, reviews by uh, by us, but uh, <laughs> about some Skein Queen yarn, who are our lovely sponsors. Got an interview with Pamela Wynn Butler, and oh boy, I'm so excited about this interview. It's proper hard hitting journalism that <laughs> I have always aspired to. Uh, talking about uh, life, gender, knitting, and uh, everything in between. I am also very excited about yep. this. I wasn't there for the actual taping of the interview, uh, which is, makes it even more exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was at TNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's talk. What have you been up to, man? Where have you been? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Lydia Gluck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what have I been up to? Well, I went to France uh, last week with some friends to go camping. Um, and it was a very nice holiday. Mm. It was very sunny. We swam in the river. We sang songs around a campfire. Uh, we cooked on the campfire. There was lots of campfire activities. <laughs> I built a lot of fires. Yeah. It was really fun. And by the end of the week, I was like a fire building pro. Yeah. Felt pretty good about that. So, I mean, apart from my usual like knitting and working on pom-pom, that's what I've been up to. Oh. How about you? Well, I went to TNNA. Tanana. Tanana. Uh, what's its name? Uh, <laughs> which is the National Needle Arts uh, association trade show mm-hmm. um, you've been there it's the first uh-huh. time I've been there Pom Pom's been there maybe like four years now it's our fourth year yeah Yeah. so um, that was fun mm-hmm. I felt very English <laughs> <laughs> I know there's nothing like going to a foreign country to make you feel English yeah um, I ha- oh yeah I had donuts that was one thing I was really excited so about gel. last time you went you were like I understand why Homer loves donuts and I had a chocolate and bacon donut mm-hmm Oof, that was pretty exciting. Um, so many lovely people. Got to meet loads of the lovely stockists of Pom Pom uh, in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, loads of other people, uh, involved, you know, traders there. The Ravelry girls who were really cool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, I was trying to explain this to my housemates. I was like, oh, you know, it's like Ravelry's like Facebook for knitters. And they're like, you met the Mark Zuckerberg of knitting. I was like, yeah. Ooh, that <laughs> oh, yeah. is cool. <laughs> wow. Also, trying to buy a cup of tea which was probably the most heartbreaking experience where I said, do you do hot drinks? They're like, yeah. I was like, okay, can I have a tea? And then they gave me iced tea. And I was like, oh God, the precursor of hot drinks. And I came back and Megan was like, I thought you went for tea. And I was like, well, yep, I didn't. Oh, and we were launching Wool Journey. So oh, yeah. that's exciting news. So we got to hang out with uh, 
Amber and Jamie, Fancy Tiger Crafts, mm-hmm. and Stephen and Malia. So Stephen of Stephen West mm-hmm. slash Stephen and Penelope, and Malia is the Penelope of Stephen. <laughs> if, you, if you've got all that links. Um, so yeah, we talked about this a little. We're kind of sliding into news now. Are you ready for yeah, that? Yeah, yeah just news. kind of, that was like a gentle transition. Like you slid off the bed. Uh, <laughs> now you're lying on the floor. No, no, no. You're just you don't in, roll yourself to the bottom. It's more like you're in, in your trousers, like you just slid off and you're like, oh, I'm wearing trousers. I don't know. <laughs> It's sort of like one of those Wallace and Gromit machines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what my life is like. Um, yes, we had the launch of World Journey. We talked about that last podcast. So this is a uh, little travel guide with patterns mm-hmm. uh, to Shetland. And um, well, yeah. Yeah, so... That was good. Yeah, well, yeah, we had talked about it before and like we're really excited to work with all of those people. And there's gorgeous photography um, by Solda Teague as well. Um, and five patterns as well as like Shetland related stories and info and puffin pictures yeah. you know what more can you want what more um, so TNNA was kind of the first time for people to see the printed actual printed physical mm-hmm. world journey oh and we had coming up this is like future pom now we <gasps> had the samples from Bristol Ivy's book which is mm. going to be our big thing in the autumn so that was really cool to see all those yeah yeah exactly because I think you know we hadn't I mean and then Sophie brought them back to London I hadn't seen yeah. them in person yet so it was all I had to bring exciting. an extra suitcase back to, <laughs> to London like what have you got in here jumpers just all full of so jumpers so many jumpers <laughs> what about this jumpers <laughs> and then uh, I don't know no <laughs> just a whole suitcase full of chocolate and bacon donuts and then some Reese's pieces for for my my bow <laughs> for Bobo <laughs> for Bobo <laughs> Anyway, anyway. Um, okay, so what else? So we're in news now. So less than one month to go for Pomfest, as Sophie mentioned. This time next month, Pomfest will be uh, a fun memory. Yeah. Just <laughs> 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 stop there. <clears throat> I mean, if you don't know what Pomfest is, where have you been? Because this is get with the program. Get with it. Get with the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. This is our basically our big birthday party for being five years old as a magazine. Um, if you haven't got your tickets, you can get your tickets at the Pom Pom website. Uh, just go onto the internet. It's new, but it's good. <laughs> and uh, so there's two options. You have the Friday or the Saturday marketplace. Uh, oh, God, what a marketplace it is, Lydia. We've got two Oof. new acts. Oh, my Lord. On the lineup. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Glastonbury cover <laughs> coverage <laughs> of the weekend. I thought your reporting style was suddenly a bit more... Uh... <laughs> slightly muddy presenter in a field <laughs> oh god I wish alright so let's just list these vendors I mean just off the top of my head let's see how many we can name <laughs> okay alright we've got Alex Collins Biches y Bouches uh, oh très bien uh, Koopnitz Dandelion Yarns Daughter of a Shepherd Easy Nets Fine Fish Yarns Garthanor Garthanor <laughs> John Arbin Textiles Julia Celine Karen Overg Kettle Yarn Co. La Bien Amy. Merchant and Mills. Midwinter Yarns. Moleview Yarns. Nina Petrina. Pink Hazel. Ching Fiber. Stranded Dye Works. Triskelion. Viola. The Wool Kitchen. The Yarn Collective. Wool and Flower. And we've got two new ones. Ba so, ba ba. Rao Work. And Baram U. Well, we did well to remember Bar-ram-u. all of them. Baram U. So lots of. Uh, well, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, we did well, didn't we? And it's uh, and how did we manage to remember them in alphabetical order? I mean, no one will ever know. <laughs> So we're really excited to see uh, all these guys. So yeah, it will be like you're wandering through the pages of Pom Pom. And so many of these guys are sort of bringing exclusives, mm-hmm. like Pom Fest uh, colours. So I know Wool Kitchen and La Bien Amie have dyed up some special stuff. Um, who else? Pink Hazel's doing oh, some yeah. gorgeous uh, new bags. Slightly different uh, style to one she's done before. Pink Hazel being a net of Pink Hazel. Yep. 
Um, uh, yeah. I who think... we love because of aprons. Sorry, yes. I just have to yeah. say that again because she made even more aprons for the pom-pom team so that there could be exciting aprons at TNNA. And I could carry my phone with ease. <laughs> no, it's really good. Um, so yeah, that's the amazing lineup we have in the marketplace. But while that's going on, there's also a little studio for talks exactly. in the PomFest uh, HQ. Yeah, HQ? so your, your uh, PomFest ticket buys you not only uh, a wander around the magical world that is the marketplace and also um you know the kind of chill out zone <laughs> if we want to call it that there'll be like another room where you can like sit and knit maybe drink a, a beverage of some sort probably mm-hmm. not iced tea i'm afraid but we'll Whoa. have the hot beverages and some kind of cold beverages too but yes in addition to that we have a whole program of talks from various pom-pom pals um which you can drop well you know you don't want to drop in and out whilst the talks are going on um, but you can choose from the lineup and just, you know, drop in to see your favourite people talk about your favourite thing. Yep. I don't know what could be much better than that. And, the you know, that's all included in the ticket. So that's pretty good. Pretty good. So just to run through, we've got more details on the blog, but we've got a uh, camera roll full of sweater photos, finding inspiration and turning it into a reality, which is by Bristol Ivy. So all her, you know, use of finding interesting shapes and uh starting points mm-hmm. for her designs which kind of kind of leads in a little bit to what she's doing in her book in the autumn definitely uh, looking forward to that yes indeedy and then lessons from the coast which is by julia farwell clay that's all about the legacy of cowichan sweaters and the coast of uh, salish knitters mm-hmm. so uh the heritage of very traditional kind of Farewell, but the kind of that colour work, yeah, quite geometric, classic. graphic mm. uh, cardies. And she said a lot of people cry during the talk because there's right. quite a lot of issues yes. about heritage, which is quite interesting. Uh, yeah, come to a talk, have a cry. <laughs> um, the Mountain and Valleys of Dimensional Knitting Design, uh, which is Olga Bariak Hafelian. Olga Jazzy, as she's also known. Lots of 3D knits. Yeah, she is quite the uh, 3D knitter. Anybody who, I mean, she's designed uh, for Pom Pom before, um, like a gorgeous. Um, like summary vest and she's designing for our upcoming autumn issue as it happens a little mm. little sneaky peeky there um, but Olga is particularly known for her like almost kind of origami like mm. um, knitting very kind of 3D there's a great interview on the podcast don't you I know, know in yeah. case you uh, weren't 100% in case you thought you know what before I go see her talk live maybe if you can't make it you can listen to her uh, talk a little about herself and what she does but yeah, I'm really excited about that one. And mm-hmm. then we've also we're also going to have some uh, panel discussions hosted by Anna Maltz. So if you um, watched our Knitters in the Round, and this we, we can come back to you later because of course our interviewee was also involved in Knitters in the Round, but Anna Maltz hosted that um, our pussy chat about the pussy hat uh, and so on. But we're going to have panel discussions hosted by her. One of them will be where there's a wool, there's a way, <laughs> which is a kind of um, expanding on the article that Rachel Atkinson wrote for issue 21 about the last five years of the knitting industry. Um, who else have we got? We've got Vera Valamaki. Story of Volume 4 and Beyond. So it's all talking about interpretations. So she'll have some of the samples from Volume 4. Uh, a Stash of One's Own, Exploring the Intersection of Gender, Money and Physical Space by Clara Parks, which uh, takes inspiration and themes from her book, A Stash of One's Own, which is uh, coming out like this month-ish. Like, soon, yeah, yeah, next month. Um, Viola's Woolly Adventure, which is by Emily Foden, all about mm-hmm. her dying uh, life and uh, adventures and beyond. 
Yeah, yeah, about her move, you know, back to Canada and setting up her studio in the in the amazing sort of rural Ontario mm-hmm. uh, where she lives. Um, of course, Thea Coleman is coming, and unsurprisingly, uh, she's doing a cocktail-related um, talk, mixing knitting whips and cocktail tips. Oh boy, a little rhyme there. <laughs> and another. So this is we're actually going through the. That's a Friday and a Saturday mm-hmm. split there. Again, more details on the blog. And also at the end of Saturday, there is another Knitters in the Round panel discussion with hosted by Anna Maltz. And it's about crafting consciously. How can one be the most uh, ethical and sustainably responsible knitter? Indeed. I'm looking forward to that one. So, yeah, I'm really excited about all of those talks, about having all of those people at Pomfest. Pretty exciting. In the real life. Yeah. IRL. <sighs> <laughs> I cringed a little bit, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, but you know what? You can see IRL at Pomfest. What? Us. What? <laughs> so we're doing a Pomcast Live, an interactive version of this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is really pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people on board, like as in on stage. Yes. And um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the Friday night, the party within the party. You do need a separate ticket for that. If you've already bought a ticket for the marketplace, you need a separate Friday night ticket uh, where not only will we have Pom Fest, um, sorry, Pom Cast fun. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> everything's Pom. Pom, Pom, Pom. pom. Um, we'll have a DJ set by John Arvin. Indeed. When you know, any of you who made it to the Seaside Shindig three years ago um, will know that John Arbin is quite the DJ. Yeah. He doesn't just spin yarns, guys. How many times How many have we times? made that joke? I love that joke. A hundred thousand times, yes. maybe? That's and our limit? <laughs> that's a limit. No. No, no limit. Um, also, okay, guys. What well, we've laid on it all, it oh all on. So even yeah. before Pompas has started, even before we've opened those uh, gates, we've cut that ribbon, the big line of pom-poms. That's what she get, actually. Ooh, she do that. Okay, anyway. note for later. <laughs> you can join in with Knit Nights across London. All our lovely London stockists are in hosting yeah. some of the guest speakers that we have. And you can join in on the Thursday night. Again, more details on the blog, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the shops ask that you RSVP. And you could go along there, have a little knit, Knit some of your POM projects. Mm-hmm. Hang out with the cool uh, POM people. Yeah, exactly. So especially if you've come, perhaps I know that I saw on the Ravelry group and on Instagram that a lot of people are coming um, by themselves, mm-hmm. which is awesome because why not? Because we're better to meet like lovely like-minded people. And especially if you are in London the night before, um, why not go to one of the yeah. knit nights? And that way, you know, you can get a kind of... Yeah, you'll already have some pals by the time you come and find come your tribe. Festival. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we've got uh, Bristol Ivy's going to be at Loop. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have Vera Valamaki's going to Knit with Attitude. Clara Parks is going to be at Wild and Woolly. Thea Common's going to be at Stag and Bow, and there'll be uh, drinks there. Unsurprisingly, they've collaborated with the local gin club to do a little combination thing, which I think is great. That's, That's a really spirit, exciting. The spirit of Pompfest right there. Yeah. Uh, London Loom will have Olga, Olga Jazzy. Yeah, and London Loom is probably the one that um, is the most left field in terms of, it's not actually a, a knitting shop, but it is a really gorgeous weaving studio, which is actually just around the corner from Pom Pom HQ um, and run by two amazing people who uh, basically just wanted to create a space where people can learn to weave and they have they'll have looms there um, so you can have a little look and Olga will be there too. 
Even if you can't make it to Pomfest and you can't make it to a along, you can always join in with the Pomfest Nissalong, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, happening on Ravelry and various digital spaces where photos and knitting happen. Uh, so you can use the hashtag, hashtag knitalong, which is a hashtag K-A-L. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there'll be prizes. <laughs> <laughs> What's better than prizes? Um, okay, so then that was lots and lots of news. And very last bits of uh, news, news flash. World Journey uh, Digital is live. Yep. Um, we should have said that when we were talking about World Journey. Yeah. I, I <laughs> did have it. Back. I was like, we say that. <laughs> um, and it's officially in local yarn stores. Woohoo! Whoop, whoop, whoop. So you can get your copy from various places. where we tell each other and you guys what we've been knitting. Lydia, you like knitting. What have you been doing? <laughs> You're right, I do like knitting. Um, well, I was working on my Velamo jumper, which was the is the cover style from our autumn uh, 2016 issue I've been making in Viola's Polworth and Alpaca. Mm. I have finished all the pieces of the jumper. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I just have to uh, give it a little steam and seam. <laughs> and then I'll block it properly. That's my plan. <laughs> So I'm quite excited about that. Just got the bits already. Why, why are you going for the steam? Uh, because I'm a little bit lazy, I guess, <laughs> and I don't want to block it properly before. I wanted this to be like a really it. like <laughs> crafty tip. You're like, oh. but also I kind of think that um, it's quite like I know that you're supposed to. Well, I think a lot of people would block all the pieces properly. If it was something lacy, I'd block it properly. Mm. But it's not. It's kind of. I suppose it's um. It's that kind of feather and fan. Um, I just want the pieces to be close enough to blocked to seam them mm. and then I'll block the whole thing properly um, because I feel like once it's a jumper it sits better in its shape and also then you can do the neckline and then block the whole thing in one go and it kind of all works arguably not the best technique I don't know if you guys have particular objections I'd be interested to hear them because I can't mm. tell if I'm just cutting a corner because I don't want to wait for the pieces to dry or whether I do just prefer doing it that way no I think it's good it makes it easier to seam and I think sometimes if you have a garment which is seam part of the structural integrity is within the seams yeah so I think if you block it maybe you're letting it kind of go too floppy yeah like it can probably block out too much too much yeah than what you need yeah 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 so just steaming allows it to be flat yes. so you can sew it together nicely yeah um, and then and then you afterwards can kind of try I don't know and also because the version I've made of the Velamo is like a bit cropped and stuff so I don't I can't block it to the dimensions on you know like right. sort of I don't know I want to I want to have it as a full jumper before I properly put it in its place <laughs> in its, <laughs> in its place. shape and place so that's not really what I'm knitting but I'm I am knitting some bonbon mitts which oh, I know that you are also making I'm making mine in some uncommon thread um, BFL in the colour confetti, which I've had fun one. for like four or five years in my stash. And I've had this one skein that I've just been waiting for such a long time. And then I thought that was perfect because it's like bonbon mitts, you know, kind of our like part of our anniversary, part of the pom-pom celebrations. And confetti is a celebratory item yeah. <laughs> in many ways. Um, yeah, so I thought it was quite a nice little uh, coming together of oh. yarn name and colour and pattern. That's sweet. How about you? Uh, well, like you said, I've done some bonbon mitts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done one which I finished on the plane. It was my little like knitting project mm. for when I went over to the States. And then I got half of one done on the way back because I spent a lot of time sleeping. 
which is great. Um, <laughs> so I just have like a little lace portion to do with that, and I'm using Brooklyn Tweed's Arbor. Oh, I haven't knit with that. Neither. Well, no, I have. Yeah. But I was really intrigued to try it just because I don't know. They're a it's big. A newie. There's a newie, and they're kind yeah. of like a big name, and I like the stuff they do. Yeah. So um, it's hard to describe because it's simultaneously like really soft, but like really kind of has this like stiffness to it, like mm. the structure, which makes it really nice for like mitts because it has such a bounce to it. It's quite nice. tightly spun. Yeah. Um, and I'm really enjoying, like I'm interested to see how they'll block as well because there's quite a good amount of structure to them, mm. which I think will show off the lace nicely. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'm intrigued by that. Mm. And I'm going for like a color which is called like nightshade. Ooh. Which is like kind of a very dark aubergine purple, Ooh. and actually matched the seats on the airline. So there we go. I was just wow, like, Sophie! <laughs> I spent a long time being like, "Oh my god, this, this dark virgin Atlantic purple is exactly the same." <laughs> I think uh, Amy is also making some bomb bomb mitts. There we go. She? We're all the so cool kids gonna doing. Be, yeah, we just need to make sure that Megan and Gail get on it, and oh, then yeah. all the yeah. all the pom pom gals will have matching hands. Definitely. Uh, and I've nearly finished my tania. And Yay. I'm thinking about, I'm planning a boom tank. Boom. Yeah. Which is like the sleeveless uh, tank from issue 21. And I'm thinking rather than stripey, I might do like a cotton gradient Ooh. of like some hot pinks that I've got in some cotton. So watch this space. <laughs> no, you guys can't see, but Sophie's eyes were like wild <laughs> with excitement when she was talking about the pink I, gradient. I know it's a good project when I'm like, if I'm thinking about it on the train, like I'm coming home, I'm like... Yeah, I'm gonna put those yarns oh, together. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we're gonna do this. <laughs> and then I get home, like, go through the sash, go through the sash. <laughs> and uh, as a little weaving update, I've got a new weaving project on the loom, yeah? which is. Um... It's been looming. <laughs> exactly. That joke also never gets old. Um... <laughs> um, yeah, which is a slightly different. I spent a long time on Pinterest finding. Um, Pinterest. Draft. Like, pin yeah. on, the, on the Pinterest <laughs> via the internet. I don't think Sophie's heard of Pinterest, but I'm gonna um, the Pinterest. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, I was looking for weaving drafts for um, the type of loom I have, which the name escapes me now. Rigid heddle. Rigid heddle loom. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, looking for uh, new patterns to make, and I'm very excited about this one. I'll put some pictures in a place because obviously yeah. I can't really describe it. Um, and don't forget, you can always uh, join in with the knitting fun on the Pom Pom Ravelry group. So, now we have a review for you, guys. Sophie's making a face. I was waiting for you to finish talking. She doesn't like my jokes. No, we do. Never mind. So, Skein Queen, our lovely sponsors, have sent us a skein of something delicious. It's lovely. So, it's a, we've got here... Uh, some Selkino. Oh boy. Oh boy. And it's um, it's a single ply yarn. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70% superwash merino and 30% silk. Um, and well, the colour that we've got is a really gorgeous. Kind of describe it. It's this? like a mapley redwood mm. cedar. Yes. And in fact, it's called Maple Durham. Oh, there we go. So there we go. So I think that entered my subconscious already. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a really rich, ready brown. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Skein Queen's a dyer based in the UK. Yeah. She's been dyeing since about 2007 and yeah. just beautiful hand dyed colorways. And uh, this is no, no exception, no you exception. know. Yeah, I know. I think I remember the, one of the first knitting events I ever went to. I mm. bought some Skein Queen yarn and I've been in love with her stuff ever since. Oh, well, yeah. So, what were your first impressions of this one? So, I, I like a single ply. I know right. it's not to everybody's taste. I know, well. I've just got to put it out there. Yeah. 100% honest in my uh, 
you know, impartial mm-hmm. reviewer capacity. Yeah. Generally, I'm not a fan of a single ply yarn. Right. I think that when it comes to single plies, okay, I think it's fair to say that they take colour in a very different way yeah. to other yarns. And I really like the way they are kind of glowy. Right. I guess. There's yeah, you like definitely often, get that with this, yeah. There's often a glow, and especially with this yarn, because there's silk in it, it's got that extra little bit of sheen. Um, and I think the thing with single plies is you don't want to use them for anything that's going to be really get loads of wear and tear. Sure. Yeah. Um, so which, you know, maybe not ever, like maybe I didn't realize when I first started knitting with Mm. them and I, you know, I really loved the way the colors shone, Mm -hmm. but then maybe, you know, if you make like a jumper say, and then you're wearing a backpack with it, I've discussed this before. This is something I think about a lot Yeah. where the straps wear on your shoulders um, but I think the silk in this will probably make it a little bit more hardware yeah. than your average um, single ply. I should have followed up saying I'm not usually a fan of, for, of yeah. single plies. I should have followed that up really quickly. But I've really enjoyed swatching with this. Yes. I do like the silkness. The silkness. <laughs> the the silk content, which uh, is 30%, don't oh, you know, with the superwash. Uh, well, yeah. Well, was it superwash? No, yeah. sorry. Merino. Yeah, with the merino. Um there is sort of a fluid fluidity to it, mm. which I really enjoyed. And I think yeah. sometimes I find single plies a little bit too kind of fluffy, just the way it sure. is spun. Yeah. And the silk does add a little bit of uh, weight, which yeah. I really like. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I found it very smooth to work with. And yeah, I think with this, you're looking at the depth of colour for something yeah. that is like a standoff showy piece, which you have like a big shawl or a cowl yeah, or something. I was thinking this would be gorgeous for like yeah. Wick Lane, for example, Ooh, from yes. the recent... Uh, issue one like a really really special shawl i mean you know you could really like i can also imagine like a really beautiful like boxy jumper Mm, like even a garland like that uh, from issue seven yeah you know rather than a mohair actually single plies often i think are really good substitutes for mohair if you don't want like mega fluff right you don't want something that's that warm and fluffy um then often single plies i think work quite nicely Mm. single ply four plies because um, they're a bit, you know, because I guess mohairs are kind of lace weights because right. of all the fluff that fills in the gap. So if you go for something like this, that's a four ply, um, you can often get a similar kind of gauge quite easily. Mm. And although you don't get that like mega fluff bill, yeah. you get like a, the halo of the yarn kind of works in your favour and you get, yeah, I think that can that could work really well. Mm. Yeah. So what do we think? Was this- Two thumbs up. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. And a gold star. Not a, a single ply film. <laughs> yeah, because not only is it a really gorgeous base, but Skein Queen's colours are so special. So it's really worth checking her stuff out. I remember the yarn that I bought from her the first time I saw her stuff was like some really lovely yellow sock yarn that I've recently knit into some lovely socks. Well, there we go. <laughs> and uh, if you fancy trying some Skein Queen yarn, well, you're just in luck as we have two skeins to give away uh thank you debbie of skein queen she's the queen of the skeins um so we've got uh it's really cute it's called wriggle <laughs> that is such a cute name which is a 100% superwash it's very similar to the yarn that we've just been talking about but without the silk content mm-hmm. and we've got two skeins in this amazing uh it's like a cream base and it's got like red speckles with a bit of navy like a really kind of earthy kind of speckly kind of colors uh, really, like a really gorgeous painter's box you know a painter's yeah. uh, paint box <laughs> so check out the pom pom blog which is on the pom pom website to find out how you could win and you could make yourself well there's two skates there's so two skates you know like a shawl or even a a little jumper a little crop jumper something yeah uh, or some really long uh, 
So at TNNA, uh, Megan, Megan Fernandez, lovely co-creator of Pom Pom, as well you know, and I spoke to Pamela Wynne Butler. Uh, Pamela is a knitting designer. You'll also know her face and voice from the Pussy Chat, which uh, happened last year. Um, so she's also a professor um, teaching gender studies, and she's talking about her collection of knits that she's just released, uh, a collection of patterns, uh, which are called Handsome, which is man sweaters for everybody. Within that, there's a play on the words, everybody, like, everybody, like, let's gather around in every physical body. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really unusual collection. Yeah, I think, really well, important. we'll let Pamela put it in her own words of why she came to this uh, project, why it's important, but... Uh, yeah, this is fascinating. Love talking to Pamela and uh, yeah, Megan and I kind of fangirled a lot about her <laughs> and her interesting views and thoughts on the world. So here we go. So today finds me at TNNA with not only Megan Fernandez, hi, hi, co-creator and founder of Pom Pom, but Pamela Wynn Butler. Hello. Hi. 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 What a nice gang we are. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, how would people know you, Pamela? Pam? Uh, <laughs> about, Pam? Pam is great. Yeah. I answered Pam. Yeah. About 10 years ago, I designed a, a sweater pattern called the February Lady Sweater that was free uh, and based on an Elizabeth Zimmerman baby sweater, the February Baby Sweater. Um, and a lot of people know about that. And so that's usually how people recognize me. Claim to fame. Claim to fame, for better or for worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you still get inquiries about the pattern? Yes, almost daily. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Not just in February. Not just in February, <laughs> yeah. People do not respect the calendar. <laughs> so I suppose that was then and yeah. now. You no. have something very exciting that we want to talk more about. Yeah. Uh, handsome. Mm-hmm. It's a collection of six knitting patterns. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how that came into being. Yeah. Well, it's called Handsome, colon, Man Sweaters for Every Body. And it's a collection of sweater patterns that are menswear style, but that come in a really wide range of sizes from a 30 inch to a 66 inch chest and can be adapted and customized for, I say, every shape, size, and gender of human. So that's the idea. Um, And so there's the patterns themselves, there's six designs and you can use the designs just as they're written, but you can also choose to customize them with a set of online calculators that exists for each pattern so that you can customize them to fit different shapes. And I can talk more about that if you want. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you a mathy person? <laughs> I did not think that I was. My dad, my parents were public school teachers growing up and my dad was a math teacher. Oh. Um, and so he's like, you're going to need that one day. Yeah. And then <laughs> I did. And so I come from a really nerdy, mathy family. And so when I first started doing knitting design kind of seriously, I would issue like Butler family math challenges. 
where I would like send oh out God. a trigonometry problem. Wow. <laughs> and then my sisters and my dad and my brothers-in-law would all like respond with their ideas for how to solve the problem. And so this was for a knitting pattern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the trigonometry was for a a dress design I did where I wanted the skirt to be customizable at different angles so you could do a pencil skirt a line or a circle yeah. skirt wow. yeah I needed help though because so, yeah. I'm not as mathy a person as I'd like to be right luckily most knitting math that the level that I do it is just algebra yeah and that like spreadsheets do that work for you yeah. which is nice yeah yeah, yeah. very cool yeah. so is your dad like proud of the the knitting oh math. God, he is. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, because he's actually, he's really interested in it. Yeah. And so we have these long conversations where I'm like describing, because really knitting and especially knitting design is like three-dimensional engineering, yeah. right? And so we have great conversations That's what we should call ourselves from now on. Yeah. Engineers. Three-dimensional engineers. Yeah. 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 3D printing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we have great conversations about it. Yeah. yeah. My grandma, my paternal grandma, one of the people who taught me how to knit, she was a maths teacher. So okay. She yep. likes physical maths. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, the knitting calculator then gives people just total customization of the sizes? Yeah. Well, so there's different things. I should maybe start with where this even came yeah, from. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think the seed for it was probably planted like maybe 20 years ago like the first wow. time well the, for the very very first like, seed so I right <laughs> I'm almost 40 but um, I think the first time that a transgender man friend of mine asked me to help alter clothes mm. right um, and that was 20 years ago yeah, in college. Yeah. So, yeah. And because, you know, people know I'm crafty. They're like, how do I make these yeah. menswear clothes yeah. fit my body? Because they don't. And so in the years since then, and especially I think in the last 10 years, since I've gotten a lot more serious about knitting, I've had a lot of conversations with the trans men in my life about clothes yeah. and bodies and how to make them fit yeah. um, and how to, like, how to find clothes that both fit your body and affirm your gender, which I think is a real privilege for a lot of us yeah. that isn't accessible to everybody. Yeah. Um, and so what I did when I, I took a break from my day job as um, a college professor of gender studies and um, you're like the perfect person to ask this question to yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so I took a break and I was like what am I gonna do I need to do something with knitting and I just realized oh I can I can perform this service for the world <laughs> so I went on Facebook and I just asked my friends I said if you typically shop in the menswear department and you generally have challenges finding clothes that fit you you just fill out the survey mm -hmm. and I had almost 70 friends fill out the survey and that was just like a wealth of super useful information yeah I feel like people yeah. don't ask men no. those questions right like, yeah yeah we can talk about why that is too but Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, bookmark that um, <laughs> yeah so I had like 60 some friends fill out this survey and it was a ton of really useful information and what I had initially thought was going to be sort of like the trans guy knitting project or sweater project turned into something just much more inclusive where I realized that exactly that we don't talk about men's bodies right we don't talk about masculine bodies or masculine of center bodies and so there's this um I'm not saying this particularly well no you are you are <laughs> we can back up um well we don't talk about um masculine bodies in the way that we kind of hyper focus on women's bodies and femme bodies, you know? So we have all this language. You think the word body and you think yeah. woman. Yeah. 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 And we have all this language, right, for talking about our shapes, right? And Why do you think that is? 
but because of sexism and because yeah. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. easy though. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I think sexism and capitalism, right? So women's magazines, for instance, can capitalize on the way in which, you know, um, kind of femininity is built on hyper visibility of bodies, right? And so we have an entire lexicon of like comparing our bodies to inanimate objects like pears and apples and right. whatever, yeah. right? And we but don't have that language for men. No, yeah. and which is actually, you know... <laughs> is that better? Again, for better or for worse, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So there was... You look at somebody like Amy Herzog who does this incredible work with like custom fit and where she's working with the amazingly diverse range of women's shapes and sizes um, and the shapes and sizes of bodies of people who identify as women and... Um, there's already an existing language for talking about that. And one of the things I found when I was trying to do this work for masculine of center people is that, like, you can't talk about hourglass shaping. No. You know, yeah. even yeah. if that's what you're doing and even if the silhouette that you wind up with is one that reads as a masculine silhouette, you can't call it hourglass shaping, right? Because, no. like, everything else, that's gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, and gendered feminine. So it was a really interesting experience to mess with that. Yeah. Anyway, so I had all this survey data. And I narrowed it down to six friends who had challenges that they identified with finding stuff that fit them that, number one, could be addressed with knitting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Number two, had not yet been addressed with knitting. So it wasn't just, my arms are really long and sleeves don't fit, because there are plenty of online calculators for generating decrease or increase rates, you know? Um, Something, like, more challenging and complex than Mm. that. And number three, wasn't just completely unique to their individual body. Something that, you know, could be found elsewhere in the population. Right. (laughs) And so I found six. I narrowed it down to six friends, and each one of them I worked with to design their dream sweater. And so the six sweaters in the collection are each named after one of those friends. And... um, yeah, it was an incredible experience to do that for yeah. them. And then after I made those six sweaters, I wrote up the patterns and passed them on to sample knitters who made um, second and sometimes third versions of the sweaters for another friend of mine that had a very different shape. Yeah. And so when you look at the photographs in the collection, which are also all on my website, you can see um, two and sometimes three of the sweaters all next to each other that have been customized to different shapes, sizes, and genders of human. So, cool. yeah. Within that, you mentioned the photos, the yeah. models for the photos. Is that, is that the friends? Yeah, or? that's yeah. 14 of my friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We rented a farm. They came from all over the country, and I spent a year doing measurements and fittings with them, yeah. like in the most unlikely of places, like hotel rooms and restaurants and parking lots <laughs> and rest stops, like wherever we could meet up. Um, and then for one weekend last April, we rented a little farm outside of Minneapolis where we all got together and had like a house party and a photo shoot. And they all got to wear their sweaters for the first time. And it was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, it was really an incredible experience. Um, so yeah, like when you look at this book, you're looking at like 14 of my friends and loved ones who bought into this (laughs) and then got sweaters. Yeah. 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 So Um, what you're talking about the customization, how does how does that work? What options do people yeah. have? Yeah. So each one of them, you can just knit the pattern as written. So each design has a schematic. And I think that on its surface, if you do nothing else with it, I hope that all six of them are just like really high quality menswear sweater patterns that have a really wide range of sizes. Um, but like all menswear, they're written 
with the torso as like a cylinder, as if that's how bodies are. Um, (laughs) And so there are different ways then to choose to customize them. So all of them, you can do a custom sleeve length um, where you put in certain measurements and then it tells you like the rate of decreases to make the sleeves you want, or increases rather, to make the sleeves that you want. the ones that are pullovers, four of the six are pullovers, and you can do a custom body length on those that will also work with um, body shaping calculators to tell you how to shape um, a body in three different ways, A-line, V-line, or what I call X-line, which is... Hourglass. It's not necessarily... (laughs) So initially, that's how I imagined it, and I thought, okay, what is a substitute for hourglass? Yeah. Um, And then I realized that it's actually not just hourglass. So if you look at um, one of the models in the book, my friend Robert, it's like a gym rat, I think. And so (laughs) he's got narrow hips, a narrow waist, and then a broad chest and shoulders. And so you use the X-line shaping calculator, but what you're really getting is... uh, hip and waist measurement for the sweater that are almost identical and then yeah a sort of v-line up to the armpits and so x-line is actually really um versatile and it's not just sort of what we think of when we think of hourglass right um so yeah um and then in addition to that there's also for the two sweaters that are just stockinette stitch the first two sweaters in the in the ebook you can also add short row shaping to the front to accommodate a belly so that the sweater doesn't ride up in front um which is hugely useful for folks who have like a belly because that makes your measurement of the front of your body bigger than the back, longer than the back of your body. Yeah, I found that out when I was pregnant. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and you see that a lot in women's wear knitting patterns with horizontal bust darts to create that sort of extra length of fabric, that three-dimensional fabric at the bust. And um, this is a little bit shallower um, shaping to kind of just add a little bit of extra length at the front. And it will custom um, generate short row instructions depending on how big the belly is, right? How much longer than the back of the front measurement is. Yes. Yeah. So. Why do you think this is so important to have this flexibility and also this identity that people can have with their clothing? I think that when I started this project, I had a very politicized intellectual answer to that um, that I would still hold to. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but the experience of working on this project over the course of almost three years um, was an experience of like working together with my friends and seeing how they responded to the experience of having, first of all, just something custom made for them. Like anyone would who that. gets yeah. that? Yeah. Who's yeah. not like a DIY craft person themselves yeah. or like mega rich, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So the, just the experience of having something custom made for themselves, but also the experience of having something custom made when you are somebody who is not had access to clothing that, again, both fits your body and affirms your gender. And so the first fitting I ever had as I was working on this project, I'd done all the measurements. And the measurements themselves were like, taking measurements is actually a really intimate experience. You know, and I'd not done this before, right? Other than like for myself or like, you know, my partner. And so... You know, I wasn't just like having the physical intimacy of like touching my friends' bodies and taking these measurements, but also we were talking about about their bodies and about their lived experience, their embodied experience, and a lot of them that included like their struggles and their journeys with like their bodies and gender and their changing bodies as they trans- transitioned. Um, and so that was like that generated just a lot of intimacy. Um, that was really like 
I didn't anticipate, but it was really moving for me. And then the experience of like being able to give them the gift of something that like was made for them was incredible. Yeah. So the, I, I was going to say before, the very first fitting I had was for one of my friends who I made the short row shaping and the belly for. And he's somebody, he's just... He's super handsome. They're also handsome, right? That's, <laughs> That's the name of the book. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But he's five foot two, you know, and he's got a belly and he's never had a shirt or sweater that fit him. Right. You know? And so we were meeting in a hotel room in Minneapolis where I was staying <laughs> and he came up to my hotel room and we just tried on, it was just a tube, right? It was like the hem of the sweater up to the armpits and like he teared up. And he was, like, looking in the mirror, and he would not stop looking in the mirror because oh. he could imagine how, you know, it was going to have sleeves and stuff. And he made me take a picture to text to his girlfriend. Oh. And it was just, I was just really humbled by that. And especially as somebody who, you know, like, yeah, I want to wear tomboy clothes, and they're not always easy to find. But it's not an integral part of my gender identity as a cis woman, you know. Yeah. And so just being part of that was incredibly moving. And so... It didn't contradict all of the high-minded political ideals that I had when I set out to do this project, but it made it much more personal to me yeah. and much more um, small, Yeah. where I felt like I don't care. I mean, I care, but on some <laughs> yeah. level, I don't care if I sell a single, <laughs> you know, ebook. Having the experience of giving these 14 people their dream sweater was yeah. just, it was incredible. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. You know? I'm kind of a giver. Like, I like to make people happy. So this was just like, yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, you've got a day job and this is a huge project yeah. and you, like, stayed focused enough on it to, like, make it happen eventually and, like, get all these people together. Yeah. And For most of it, I didn't have a typical day job, which right. was nice, right? Yeah. Like, I wasn't teaching or working at a university. I was freelancing, doing design and editing stuff. So yeah. I was able to take the time. And, and, yeah. and also, I had some savings, so I could, yeah. you know, save the money <laughs> into doing this on my own yeah. rather than um, having to kind of accommodate a publisher's vision or limitations, yeah. you know, that yeah. I could just do it the way that I wanted to do it, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. I had a funny experience today where while I was sleeping last night, somebody in Europe commented on one of the designs on Ravelry and they said, why is this tagged female? This is misleading. And I woke up and it made me panic because I thought it is misleading. Right now, the only projects you see in the project pages are on bodies that she's probably reading as male. Mm. And she is thinking, I'm searching for, you know, sweaters tagged as female. Why is this coming up for me? Right. And of course, I answered her and explained, you know, and um, but at the same time, I thought, what am I doing? Like, am I am I doing this all wrong? And then what I realized after actually having a great chat with the Ravelry folks <laughs> in their booth today was that I'm not the problem, right? Well, and also you just, you just helped someone yeah. make that. Yeah. Leap, you know? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, but also that every single thing that we encounter on a daily basis, you know, in our lives here in the U.S. is in some way categorized or tagged with this Euro-American binary gender system where everything can be gendered as like MF, right? Yeah. M or F. And part of the 
sort of challenge of designing these patterns was that I wanted them to be accessible to everyone. Like they're menswear styles, they're classic menswear styles, but physically, right, I want them to be universally accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the sizing is like one through 18, yeah. you know, that corresponds to a chest measurement. Um, and there's not space for that in the sizing conventions that characterize either ready-to-wear or hand-knitting, right? Mm -hmm. The reason you have to search for female or male Mm -hmm. on Ravelry is because that's how sizing conventions operate. Yeah, And I feel even with unisex, like, you'd find it would be a female thing, but, like, oh, and also male. Yeah. What what the Ravelry folks told me today is that unisex is really about, like, it's a hat pattern in three sizes that anybody can wear. Okay, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of how that's intended. And mm. so they, they were very cool. They're like, you did the right thing. <laughs> You're exploding boundaries. Go you. They're very <laughs> awesome and cheerleadery. But I did, I had this moment. I think that, um, I surprised myself by panicking because of course I'm doing the right thing here. Yeah. Right. Of yeah. course I'm doing something yeah. that I believe in and, yeah you know, kind of trying to work beyond these oppressive systems. Yeah. <laughs> and yet I still kind of panic this morning. Like people aren't going to understand this. They're not going to be able to, you know, access what I'm doing here. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's also why it's important. I exactly. It's so like, yeah. cause yeah, what a, it was what three hours ago, Megan came and said, Oh, you need to see this when you showed it to me. Yeah. And it was one, it was exciting. Cause like, I'd never seen anything like that before. Two, I was like, this is so important. Three, why has no one done this before? Like, why is this so new, you know? Why do you think it's important? As somebody who, you know, is just looking at the project. Because it's, I think it's the thing that, like, people being able to feel comfortable with who they are Mm -hmm. is, that makes everyone's life easier. Yeah. And I feel... Sometimes problems, people saying like, no, you're wrong because of this, mm-hmm. the way they're fitting in their own worldview mm-hmm. maybe isn't the happiness, happiest. Yeah. That's a generalization. Yeah. But I sometimes, okay, so here's my dad's thing. Mm-hmm. So he says, when you're pointing the finger of blame, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pointing my finger mm-hmm. at you, the most fingers are actually pointing Point into yourself. Back into yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're wrong because you should fit yeah. like this. Oh wait, yeah. no. I mean, the thing is, you know, I teach Introduction to Gender Studies at my day job to 18-year-old college freshmen. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things we talk about is that we have these systems, right? And in the U.S., it typically looks like this Euro-American binary male-female system. Mm -hmm. And so the system says everything is supposed to fit into these boxes. Mm -hmm. But our lived experiences tell us that nothing fits into those Mm -hmm. boxes, right? Not only because, like, the diversity of human experience and bodies and identities is so much more complex than that, but then... Each individual person is so much more complex than that, right? No person, you know, conforms to every single physical and social characteristic that we associate with male or female or masculine or feminine. And yet we all think of ourselves as the exception. Right. Right. Like there's, I'm just sort of a tomboy or, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm a little different, but the system is legit. Yeah. Um, and so maybe part of what I'm saying with this collection is that the system is not legit. (laughs) We should probably destroy it. (laughs) With knitting. (laughs) With knitting. Well, that's one of the great things that's empowering about DIY fashion, right? Um, Is that, you know, maybe you shouldn't have to create your own world, but you get to create your own world. Well, I know like, um... Susan of Vintage Knitting, Susan Crawford, she has had cancer and 
to me and everything. Mm, yeah. And she's looking at the way she makes her clothes in a totally different way. Yeah. But she's lucky because she knows how to modify those yep. things. Yep, um, exactly. It's interesting her. She's been very open on her on her Instagram. Yeah, I love following it. And looking at clothes she used to wear and say, okay, mm-hmm. this used to fit like this. Yep. Now I don't have a and bust I, line. And like you know, I yeah. was, I and I feel like people. She she knows that people maybe perceive her in a, a certain mm-hmm. way and maybe mm-hmm. will do differently now and, yeah. and she's probably a changed person because of the whole experience anyway yeah. and it's just like you know you do, appearance does matter in yeah. a way and yeah. the way you feel like you're presenting yourself to the world mm. matters yeah. yeah and I think also whether it's because of sort of a dramatic event like your body changing because of an illness or treatment for an illness or or you know a gender transition or if it's just like you age or you have yeah. a baby yeah. or, you know, your hormones change in your later life. Your body changes, yeah. you know. Elizabeth Zimmerman talks about this when she talks about short rows for a um, hunched back. She's like, <laughs> yeah. old ladies need this. Yeah. You better learn how to do it because old ladies' backs are rounded. You know, just like babies' backs are rounded. Yeah. And so, you said that. I said just sit up straight. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, yeah, right? Like, yeah. if you're lucky enough to live into your 70s, like, yeah. you know, it's going to happen. Gonna, your body's going to... And so our bodies and our genders change over our lifetime too yeah. and so the idea that yeah, yeah. Um, that you can then alter your clothing or like create new clothing that kind yeah. of works with the, your own transformations is I think really I hate the word empowering but it's empowering yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 what do you you said like oh well if I never sell a pattern then that's great I made some people happy but <laughs> I would also yeah yeah you would also okay yeah side note you'd also want that <laughs> yeah so, side note what, what do you want people to draw from this most then and would you see the future of this going sort of thing? I, first of all, see this project itself ideally reaching the people who can use it. You know, I'm excited if, you know, like ladies at my local yarn shop are making these sweaters for their husbands. I'm yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, but my first priority is people who, again, like can think benefit the most from having access to these tools um folks who have had challenges finding menswear that fits them if they can like find if this can find them that's what I want the most um and they're not necessarily always like those folks um well they might be well represented in my friend group they're not necessarily well represented like in the knitting world yeah Mm -hmm. um and so I'm having to think strategically about like what are the best ways to help this project and these tools find them. So for this project specifically in the short term, that's what I want. Um, longer term, I I like the idea of demystifying knitting. Mm. Um, I've mentioned Elizabeth Zimmerman twice already in this interview. We like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because she demystifies <laughs> yeah. the process and the... Empowers. Yes, yes. <laughs> she puts the tools in your hand to... Yeah you know, make what you want to make. And I love that idea. And I think, again, that's particularly exciting for people who, um, you know, get to make clothes that fit them maybe for the first time. Yeah. Um, and so longer term, I, I like the idea of um, people feeling able to customize their own patterns, right? So not one of mine necessarily, but one that they like in a magazine. And being able to then make it fit them. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I have not provided the tools for them to do that. <laughs> All my calculators are specifically for my designs in this collection. Um, but it would be really cool if, even just in, in spirit. Yeah, well, they'll learn something yeah, from being able to customize so. that yeah, thing. And I hope so. Start the mana little journey. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So remind people where they can find all this because obviously they're all excited yeah. now so yeah <laughs> so the ebook is titled handsome man sweaters for everybody and it also comes with an introduction like a pretty lengthy introduction that has a lot of information i should say about um gauge and fabric and choosing things that are going to make your sweater fit the way you want it to yeah. fit and working with the calculators so all of that is included with the six designs in an ebook that you can buy on my website which is pamelawin.com mm -hmm. or it's all on Ravelry you can download it via Ravelry and, and if you want to see the sweaters um, there's a lookbook on on pamelawin.com where you can go through and there's a description of each one and you can also see what kinds of custom calculators were used for each sample so you can look at that's one and it'll say idea. this used the V-line body shaping, you know, and explain how that sample got created. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's been brilliant. Yeah. Great to hear more about the project. And thank you. Good luck with everything. Thanks for having me, and especially in your TNNA booth surrounded by all of these amazing samples. I feel very cozy. Yeah. It was great. Good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
So number three, I was going to say corner shops because I find good one that you are always very close to a corner shop. Their idiosyncratic stock <laughs> yeah. levels and items of stock yeah. are always enjoyable. Like I was in one the other day, which was like a little like post office as well, and they had back scratches. What? In like, in like four different colours, and they were only two quid. And I was like, do I need a back scratcher? <laughs> I love that. There's actually there's a corner shop, or like yeah, the kind of weird corner shop post office hybrid that yeah. is at, just around the corner from me sells like really gaudy cheap jewellery, like yeah. loads of it, like half of their stock. They've got like a whole cabinet, and none of it has been touched for I want to say ten years. Yeah. So yeah, corner shops not only because the they're accessible. Yeah, I feel like the nature of a corner shop, it will just be, always be on the corner to pop round and mm-hmm. top up with milk or treats. And I think, yeah, I think that's something I miss when I'm outside of London, where I'm just like, oh, I've just popped to the shop and get this. And you're like, where the, where the where am I going to get my salt and vinegar crisps? Yeah, where am I going to get, like, uh, a pack of playing cards? I don't know, you know. <laughs> a crappy sewing kit. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the, there's like a certain uh, start, what is it? What would you say? Like a little cell, like... Uh, display point which they always have a thing called basic needs oh yeah and they come in like blue and white packaging and it's like a hair bubble in a yeah. pa- like in a sealed packet safety pin yeah or like uh, I just really like that there's something really you, you know utilitarian about the display of that I have to get some photos of that because I think that's, that's yeah within that yeah the, you know yeah. the kind of individual like nature of finding them mm-hmm. cool corner shops good good yeah number two I'm going to say buses but more specifically, I've tried to go really uh, specific on these things. Yeah. That the display on a bus... Yeah. No, 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 you're nodding. Has the time. Yes. No, yes, exactly. Yes. I love everything about the displays on the buses. <laughs> love them. I think that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> you mean like the LED displays yeah, yeah. inside so the bus? There's yeah. one upstairs and one downstairs. Yeah, yeah. So you can say like, oh, like, I don't know, the gardens, which is one of my stops. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the time. Not that I don't have the time on me, but I just really, really enjoy it. Good. Yeah. You think I'd be more in time because of all that, but no. Hey. <laughs> and number one, this is less uh, individual, I suppose, but the free stuff within that, like the free arts and entertainment stuff. Yeah. And I think London, yeah, London's, London can be expensive living mm-hmm. in a city. And I think yeah. you can maybe feel limited by the expensive activities that can go on a place yeah, yeah but being able to walk through a park and like london's one of the places that has a lot of green space ratio i mean it's some grimy parts of london sure of course I feel i'm being diplomatic in my description of london here well no but there are i think as big cities go london is one of the greenest mm. and then yeah so being able to find those little pleasures of free stuff within uh yeah what essentially is a big expensive city yeah yeah, you always know that if you want to do something in the afternoon, you're not, mm. you know, you're not got loads of cash money to spend. You can just go and wander around an art gallery or a museum, yeah. of which there are loads, and they're like world class. You know, you can just go and like hang out in uh, the Tate Britain mm. and look at, you know, even that. There's, there's the really small ones. There's one which I haven't been to yet, but I really want to go to, which is the sewing mas- machine museum right yeah yeah yeah. and there's like little tiny and there's the museum of the home which is actually really oh, good which is museum. near 
kind of near Pompa, so you yeah. can check that out. Um, so this is my little segue, which I thought was quite clever, because it's the free talks at Pompfest. Oh, that is good. <laughs> you have to buy your ticket for Pompfest, but then within that... You get a free talk. You well, get the free talks. Free talks. So it's just a little segue. <laughs> <laughs> just to round it off with Pompfest. Very, very good. Uh, that, that's it, the end. So, I too live in London, as you might have noticed, and I like Wait, it. Wait, what? <laughs> so my top three things about London are not going to be that dissimilar from yours, I think, but we have, as ever, slightly different angles on the same thing. Uh, Venn diagrams of uh, crossover. Yeah. So, at number three, I have London Transport. More mm-hmm. specifically, and Sophie is not going to be surprised by this, the Victoria Line. It is a running joke in the office how much Lydia <laughs> loves the Victoria Line. I don't think you realised how much you loved it. I definitely I, didn't. Until I, like, I said, like, oh, every time I get on the Victoria Line, I think of you saying, like, oh, I love the Victoria the Line. One. So just for people who aren't as familiar with London Transport as we are, um, uh, we call the London Underground, it's called the Tube, colloquially. Mm-hmm. So when you come here for Pomfest, it's not the subway, guys. It's the Tube. So the London Underground is one of the oldest, I think, underground... Um, you know, travel systems that there is. Is that a fact? I think it must be. You just throw it's it out there. Like, old. It's the I oldest think it might be one. The oldest. Oh, okay. She's looking for a phone to Where's check now. Where's my phone? So, the underground has the oldest section of underground railway in the world, which opened in 1863. It did, it did used to be uh, smoke-powered as well, didn't it? Like, you know. Yeah. So the first section of the underground ran between Paddington and Farringdon Street. And the same section now forms part of the Circle, Hammersmith and City and Metropolitan Lines. Mm. That is some history, guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So London has got the oldest underground railway. And now it might not... Well, I think TfL is one of the best big city transport systems there is, honestly. And within that... The Victoria Line is the crown jewel. <laughs> Not um, only because it's called Victoria. <laughs> yeah. And it's the for people who aren't so familiar. And also the London Underground map is one of the greatest pieces of design. Yep. Henry uh, Beck. Like, yeah. Functional design. That's my factoid. That's a good factoid. You. you didn't even have to check it on no, your phone. didn't have to. Straight out there. <laughs> uh, so the London, so the Victoria Line is the, is the sort of mid blue one. Uh, and it runs... It's not really pale, is it? It's a kind of mid I like how precise you were on that. Yeah. It's the mid-blue. Well, yeah, because there's the dark blue one and the mid-blue one. The mid-blue one. And it runs from North London, where I live, straight down to South London. And it is fast and efficient. It's just a straight line. And it's the second most frequent train in the world. <laughs> this is my... Another... Churning out the facts. The we only other are. one is one in Russia that comes every, like... 30 seconds yes. or something like that. But yeah, second most frequent line in the world. So, yeah, so I just, I love, um, you know, because London's very big and I love the transport system. Great. So second, um, again, a little bit of crossover with Sophie Scott's top three. I love Turkish shops. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's probably a running joke in the office how much I love Turkish shops. And I know that Turkish shops don't ju- mostly exist in Turkey, I'm imagining, um, but I love that in North London, my corner shops all have an amazing array of feta cheese, halloumi cheese, incredible olives, really, really good bread. Good really, baked goods. Such good bait. You can get borek, you can get, um, like, which is a kind of, uh, like Turkish pastry filled with feta cheese. Um, yeah, you can just, you know, and in that same shop, you can also buy like milk and bananas and like, you know, a Sprite or whatever you want, little sewing kit, as Sophie was saying. Mm-hmm. 
but you can also get just like incredible delicious fresh turkish food and turkish food is one of my favorites so i just really appreciate living in a place where that is plentiful basically mm. and i don't think you can really go wrong i could just eat nice turkish food there's a little like far away look in your eyes i just love it and more recently i've discovered that in dalston you can buy these really amazing they're not pizzas but they're a bit like sort of turkish folded pizzas Mm. i don't know how to pronounce them properly i'm very sorry something like guzlim uh and they're incredible they're like two pounds and they just oh delicious sounds good to them (laughs) that's a terrible joke uh quickly move on to number one okay so at number one the thing i love about london is People's cool, crazy clothes. That's a good thing to love about London. Yeah, so there are so many things I wanted to put into this top three. For example, crazy cool shops. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that you can go to like millions of different amazing knitting shops or like ribbon shops or button shops or like really specific shops. So that didn't make it into the top three. Mm. I also wanted to say pubs because you can't go wrong with pubs. True, I do miss a good pub when I'm not... Well, there's a lot of good pubs elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. So they're not maybe London specific. Yeah. But one of the things I really love about living in London is that there's just such a variety of people, such a variety of cultures, of languages. Um, You know, you can walk down the same street and there'll be people from all different places and that sort of manifests itself in shops from all different places. So, And not just food shops, you know, African fabric shops. You've got, like, a few of those just in Dalston. Mm. Um, You know, and you can... Yeah, there's just, and and that manifests itself then in people dressing in all sorts of different ways. And not just like art student types, but just, you know, people, you know, and they're the kind of, (laughs) they're the probably the most um, obviously flamboyant, but there's a lot of people who work, especially in the area where we work in, maybe in fashion or don't, and just are like quite flamboyant dresses. So it's just, I find it really inspiring walking around the streets of London and people will be just wearing really unexpected things. And they might not even be flamboyant in a kind of obvious, colourful way. It might just Mm. be like a cut of a coat that's really unusual or a hat worn in an unusual way, a combination of like trainers with something unexpected. There's just, there's really no rules here. There aren't rules anywhere, but in London, you will not get looked at. Nobody will notice. Um, You can literally be painted gold sat on the tube and nobody will blink like I've been in that situation where there's one of those kind of street performer types and they're just completely gold and you know everyone's just like yeah cool whatever um and I think that is there's a sense of freedom in that it means that people can kind of explore you know because I grew up in a smaller town and I love Swansea I don't Mm. have many bad words to say about it but if you walk down Swansea down the streets of Swansea as I did wearing like really really brightly colored leggings you'll get looked at and you'll get Mm. comments not necessarily negative ones but in London you have that sense of freedom to experiment. Celebrated. Yeah, it's great. And that's my favourite thing. Great. Well, uh, we should probably uh, have a party. And uh, invite people here, bring them to London, show them the things we like. Yeah, so, uh, well, we're looking forward to seeing you at Pomfest. Do come say hello, because we like saying hello to people. We really do, yeah. Don't be shy. Not that I'm assuming that people are, but in the past people have said that they were a bit nervous maybe to come up and say hello. Please don't be, because that's exactly why we're having this party. Yeah. And, you know, we're just as silly as we sound on the podcast. So, you know, come be silly with us. It'll be great. Yeah, come say hi. Come talk about knitting or ask us about our favourite Turkish shops and yeah. buses. Yeah. The 63, if you ask. <laughs> um, so we'll see you at Pomfest. If not, then we'll see you next month. We can't wait. Bye! Bye.
Omcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for the show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And thanks also to Amy and Gail. Thanks to our interviewee, Pamela Wynn Butler, and our sponsor, Skin Queen. And of course, a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop, pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. And why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum.